Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. We are a church with a heart for people and the message of Jesus. It is our desire that you'll be drawn closer to God through today's teaching. To access notes from today's message, go to foxriverchristian.org slash message. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, church. Great to see you. Love the opportunity just to be able to speak to you about It Starts With Me, a series that we're in here. Just really helpful to, to understand some of the things that God has given to us. When you think about thoughts, kind of hard to even say that, right? Um, do you find or anybody else experience this? It seems like it's much more difficult to think about the goodness of God than it is about the harshness of life. Anybody else with me there, you know? And I tend to try to think positive, but, but it seems hard. In other words, think about it this way. Which is harder, gratefulness or complaining? Now, don't, don't raise your hand. You don't need to shout it out or anything like that, okay? Which is harder, belief or doubt? Which is harder, trust or suspicion? There's a reason for this. There's actually a study that was done. An article came out from the National Science Foundation, and they said that the average person thinks somewhere between, there's quite a span in here, but between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. Now, both of those numbers are way too big for me to be counting and figuring that out, so I'm just going to trust them with that one, okay? But 12,000 to 60,000. Now, here's the kicker. 80% of those thoughts are negative. So if you're a person that's a glass half full, that just rocked your world, didn't it? Like, no, that can't be right. That's a lie. just means you're not pulling your weight. Come on, let's lift everybody else up, all right? You know? Now it gets a little worse, even. Because 95% of those 80% are repeated day after day after day after day. Our thoughts are powerful. There is power in a thought. And with that, it's not all negative, thankfully. Thankfully, Even though it seems like the cards are stacked against us, there are some beautiful and wonderful things that have started with a simple thought. In fact, everything starts with a thought. The words that you say, even though you might not have thought very long about them, they started with a thought. The successes of your life, they started with a thought. It didn't just happen. They all started inside before they came out. There's a young man whose name is William. William Kamkamba, if I get his last name right, I'm taking it from him. But uh, he, at the age of 14, found himself in a very unique position. He was in eighth grade, but he had to drop out of school because his parents could not afford the $80 fee that it took to go to school. Imagine that. For 80 bucks, he had to drop out of school because his parents were dependent upon farming, and farming is dependent upon water. And there was a drought that was going on that would continue on for five years, actually. He lives in Malawi, and as he was 14, he decided that he could make a difference. And the reason that thought came to his head is because instead of just sitting around doing nothing, he didn't want to fall back on his studies, and so he went to the library and began checking out books. And one of his favorite books that he found was actually a book from America, and it was a book that was written to talk about science. He loved physics. He was drawn towards it. And this book was called Using Energy, and on the front of it was a wind turbine. And so the wheels began to, began to turn in his mind. The book didn't tell you how to build a windmill, but he would become the boy 
who harnessed the wind. You see, in his village, something they had plenty of was wind. Something they had very little of was water. And so he got his friends and went out, and they just started collecting junk, whatever they could find. And from that junk, he was able to take a tractor fan from a tractor motor, a shock absorber, and a bicycle, and some blue gum trees. And he's able to build a windmill. And with that windmill, he was able to power four different lights in his home. He was also able to put it into a battery and with that battery, charge the neighbor's cell phones. Now, I know some of you are scratching your heads already thinking, wait a minute, a kid can't go to school, but they have cell phones? Yes, believe me, it happens, okay? And that impressed others where it's like, we should help this kid out. He's got something going here. So he realized that he needed to get his windmill up a little bit higher. So to take it up to almost 40 feet to get it above the trees so that he could catch more wind. And being able to do that, he was able to power a pump that was able to bring about gray water to irrigate the the crops during the drought and change his family's destiny. Isn't that amazing? He's still doing beautiful, wonderful things to this day. But it all started with this thought. I think I can make a difference. We need more of those thoughts, don't we? But in order to get to those thoughts, we have to deal with some other thoughts. You see, every one of us is thinking something right now. You can see them, right? You can see all the thought bubbles. Look at the person beside you. They have a thought bubble above their head. Some of them are saying this. I hope this guy is as good as the last guy I heard here. I'm not coming back. Okay? Some of you are like, man, what's for lunch? I can't wait for lunch. Man, I'm just so hungry right now. Some of you are thinking about the conversation you had before you walked in. Most of you are thinking, they told us an hour. Is that really true or not? Okay? Before we're going to be out of here you got thoughts. They're going. You're not even thinking that you have thoughts, but you do, right? Because we have them all the time. And God tells us they're a very powerful thing. What you've experienced when I talked about the story of William is something called the domino effect. Pastor Guy, he started us off with this understanding in this series. Something as small as something so small that most of you cannot even see it. It looks more like a mint, a breath mint, than it does a domino. But if you were to take a domino just of this size and you were to go ahead and place another domino beside it, it could topple that domino up to one and a half its size. So if you kept building upon that and you took those dominoes out 29 times, that would mean that this small domino here could topple a domino the size of the Empire State Building. All through the power of this right here. That is crazy. But it shows the effect that something so small can have. What we call that is the domino effect. And the domino effect is a great illustration of our series Maxim. I want you to read this Maxim with me, would you, together? Little things can produce big results. One more time. Little things can produce big results. Those little things are our thoughts. They're the things that go into our minds. They're the things that go into our head. And God has several different terms for it. But he's talking about our inner self. There's this guy, his name's Pierre. The only reason I won't give you his last name, I'll show it to you, but I can't pronounce it, okay? But he has this great quote, and he's trying to help us understand everything begins with a thought, and here's why. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings. We just happen to have a human experience. It's not an either or, it's a both and. But the primary is this. Do you realize that your spirit, your soul is eternal, Your body is not. It's just a shell to carry that piece of you. That inner self 
God describes with a Greek word in the New Testament. And that word is simply this, cardia. Soon as I say that, there's probably a word that, that describes that term for you. You probably got it from a doctor, in fact. And so when you hear cardia, what do you think of? Heart. God uses that. He uses that word cardia as heart, but he uses it much broader than that. He takes it all the way to this extent. It's the center of our being. And when he uses it in the Bible, sometimes he uses it for our inner self. Sometimes he uses it, these would be the two most common, for our heart, sometimes for our mind. A lot of times we don't think. He says, no, my mind and my heart are not the same thing. My mind and my emotions are not the same thing. But they are. They're all the non-physical part of us. Our inner self, our heart, our mind, our will, and our intentions. He's talking about all the same thing. You could add to that the soul as well. He'll have different terms. But cardia is one of the most prevalent terms that you'll see when God talks about this inner peace that he's given to us. And so as we talk about it, he actually gives us three key actions when it comes to our thoughts that we need to pay attention to. And the first one we see is we need to renew your mind. I want you to take your Bible, if you would, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Corinthians may be harder to find. If you go to the New Testament, go a little over halfway through, you'll find the book of 2 Corinthians. If you want to cheat, just grab one of the Bibles that you'll find in front of you there and turn to page number 1648. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible, make that one yours. It's our gift to you. We want you to use it, to read it, to connect with God regularly with it. The page number 1648 is where you'll find 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, where he's going to tell us we need to renew. And sometimes, like I said, he'll use the term minds. Other times, he'll talk about our heart. In this case, he's going to talk about our heart. And with it, what he's going to do is this. He's going to help us understand there's this renewing of ourselves that takes place when you become a Christ follower. Now, right away, you might be thinking, why do I need to be renewed? Well, look at this, what happens. It's a very strategic thing that takes place. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 17, we see this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, you've become a Christian, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. There's something new that takes place. Like I said, you might be in that place where it's like, why do I need something new? It's perfectly fine. No, it's not. You know it. How many times have you said this? I've changed my mind. How many have said that before? You know what somebody should have said to you at that point? I hope this one works better than the last one did. They probably didn't say that, though. We're changing our mind. Well, God's saying that's intentional. There's a change that takes place when you enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. For me, it happened at eight years old. Now, as soon as you hear eight years old, you're thinking, yeah, you were born into a pastor's family, you know, who always went to church. Not so. I didn't go to church until I was eight years old. I didn't. All my friends, it was like they were born in church. I think their moms brought them the day after they came out of the hospital. It was like all they could tell me was they go to church every week. I'm like, I don't. I didn't know Jesus. I used his name a lot. I did, but not in a good way. And so a friend of mine says, would you like to go to church with me? I said, sure, I'll go to church with you. So I go to church, and that very first time that I remember sitting down, and a, a teacher began to tell me about who Jesus was. And it was like he was this real person that she wanted to introduce me to. In fact, she stopped about halfway through the lesson, and she felt prompted just to ask a simple question. Is there anybody here who has never met Jesus? 
I'm thinking I had all kinds of thoughts going through my head at that point. I raised my hand. I said, I, I don't know Jesus. He says, why don't you talk to me after class? So I go up to her afterwards. I said, what do you want to tell me about Jesus? She opened up her Bible, and she began to show me a verse that said that I had a sin problem that separated me from God and that that needed to be remedied. She showed me another passage that talked about the remedy of that. And she showed me that the wages or the payment of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. She said, Jesus wants to give you a gift. In fact, he paid for that gift by going to the cross and dying on that cross. And when his blood came out of his body, that was what he used to buy the gift that he's going to give to you if you want it right now. And she said, would you like that gift? I said, yes, I would. Tears were coming through my eyes because I couldn't get this thought out of my head. How could somebody love me that much? How could somebody love me that much? Even at eight years old, I understood that I didn't deserve this gift. And yet, it was being offered to me. Do you remember? Do you remember when you first found out that Jesus offered that to you? Have you received it? If you have not, I hope that you will today. He tells us that that is a renewing. It's a change. I was changed after that point. I wasn't a big reader, but they gave me a Bible and I couldn't get enough of it. I kept reading and reading. You know that verse, John 3, 16? Somebody gave me a pen with that verse on it and I just read it and read it and read it until it was ingrained in my head because I couldn't understand that love. I was experiencing it. And it was like, this is so cool, and I had this hunger, and that hunger would waver. It would go up and down, just like it does for many of us. But it was real, and it was no doubt if somebody would have said, I think you're a little different now. First, I might have got offended by that. Then I'd get past that, and it's like, yes, I am. Because Jesus did something in my heart, in my life, and it's been changed. That's the initial change. It's called salvation. But there's an ongoing change as well, and that's called sanctification. It's this ongoing change that is to take place in any and every Christ follower. You've all heard the term better with age, right? In fact, if you're 40 and above, you probably use it as an excuse or a hope. Okay? If you're younger than that, you're like, no, there's no, you know, I'm already great right now. You know, and everything's going great. You're going to the gym, and man, everything's functioning like it should, you know? But then something happens. And there's a reason for that. But there's this verse, and it's amazing how it starts out. Again, in the same book, 2 Corinthians, just turn a page back even. Maybe you don't even have to turn a page back to chapter 4 and verse number 16. And look at this. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, why does somebody say that? They're saying, I want you to be encouraged here. Don't give up, okay? Don't give up. Don't lose heart. And he goes on, he says, why? He says, though outwardly, now, if you're 40 and above, no, everybody, okay? Even if you're five, you need to know this, so read this, okay? Though outwardly we are what? Wasting away. Ouch. Ouch. Some versions say decaying. I'm like, oh, I can't picture that, okay? Please. Please don't tell me that's what getting old means. Aren't you glad he didn't put a period right there? Instead, he put a comma. Because look, this is so important. Look at it with me. Yet inwardly, the heart 
Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. You're getting gooder. But it's not where you see it. It's the inside. It's the part that's going to last for all eternity. That needs to be growing and blossoming and falling more and more in love with God. And wanting to do what he asks of you. And wanting to search out the things of God. Desiring and hoping that he will use you to make a difference. And letting that be the desire that directs us. Because a small thing. A small thing that you can't see because it fell over and toppled the Empire State Building. Guys, sorry, you'll hear the news after service, okay, I'm sure. A small thing like a thought can have such a big impact. But we have to realize that we need to be in process of renewing our minds because that's our responsibility. God will help us. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He allows us to abide with Christ in order to see that renewing continue. But still, Do you ever notice there's a great appeal to manage only what people can see? Only what I can see. I want to keep this pretty, and I'm failing at it, okay, miserably now, at the expense of keeping this in here pretty. There's no term for that. You don't put lipstick on a pig, okay? You're focusing on the wrong thing. Now, I'm not saying don't take a shower in the morning and brush your teeth, okay? Let's do that, all right? At minimum, let's do that. But don't let that be the sole focus. That's all wasting away. But there's something that's continuing on in you and will continue on for all eternity. And God wants to use that. He wants you to find great fulfillment in it and see what he has for you through that. To see little thoughts produce big results, we have to renew our minds. But not only that, we have to guard our hearts. Are you willing to guard your heart? There's this man... I really gravitate towards his writings. His name is Solomon. He was the son of a king, a very famous king in Jewish history, King David. Solomon would follow David as the next king. Before he became king, God told him, I will grant you anything, anything you want. What is it? It can be wealth. It can be be relationships. It can be whatever you want. He said, if I'm going to lead these people, I want wisdom. And so God granted him wisdom, and he shares some of his wisdom with us in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23, in fact, this is what he tells us. Above all else, let's stop there. When somebody says above all else, that's like a teacher saying, if you don't get anything else that I say, get this thing right here. It is the number one thing. It is the most important thing. At least for that day it was. Solomon saying, above all else, read this next three, these next three words with me. Guard your heart. And then he even tells us why. For everything you do flows from it. Saying everything, everything comes from the inside out. We know that if something is meaningful and it matters, you guard it. You guard it desperately. In fact, you would see it as foolish if you would guard something that was inferior and leave the the superior thing unprotected, right? But we do that many, many times. We need to protect what is most vital. And he's saying what is most vital is your heart, is your mind, are your thoughts, because everything else flows from there. Every action that you do flows from your thoughts. It comes out from the inside. It may seem instantaneous, 
And maybe you haven't had to put a lot of thought into it for a long time, but it still originated from the inside before it came out. I learned this lesson about making sure we guard or we protect the most vital things. It was actually at the dentist, believe it or not. I'm that type of person. I don't really like to hang out at the dentist all that much. Sorry, Dr. Ross, okay, if you're hearing this right now. I like to get in and get out. You know, 45 minutes is good for me. Get that cleaning done, get me out of there. A few years back, I remember this. My 45 minutes was up, ready to leave. They're like, ah, it looks like in your notes here, you haven't had x-rays in a while. Let's do some x-rays. Like, okay. I don't remember having x-rays at the dentist probably before this time. They come in, and they have this nice, big, blue, heavy blanket that they put on me. Thud, right? I'm like, what is in this? Lead. Oh, oh, okay, all right. And I'm beginning to think, thoughts, right? Like, why do I need lead on my chest? And as I'm getting ready to ask that thought, let it be verbalized, that person goes behind a wall and looks through a little window at me before they press a button. I'm like, what is going on here? So they come back in the room. I'm like, I noticed that you left the room and went behind that little wall with that window, and you threw this big heavy vest on my chest. What's up with that? We need to protect your vital organs. You know what I thought? You didn't put anything on my head. <laughs> what does that say about my brain? And I'm thinking, you know what? We got an issue here, don't we? Remember the heart? That was what she was protecting. But that's not the heart that God's talking about. He's talking about the one that she left unprotected. He's saying you need to protect what comes in up here. So have you? Are you? Are you willing to? Because what that means is this, guarding both what you let in and what you let linger. We have a helper for this. It's the Holy Spirit. But we have to listen to him. Take quick note. Last seven days, what did you let in? What movies did you watch? What pages did you visit on your computer after you opened it up? How much news did you take in that left you in a place that's like, I just want to kill that one. That scum of the earth shouldn't even be alive right now. And it left you in a really bad place. Does what you let in feed your lust, feed your greed, feed your hatred? Or does it feed your love for Jesus Christ? If it doesn't feed your love for Jesus Christ and it feeds your lust, feeds your hatred, feeds your greed, you're not protecting much at all. And it's doing damage. And that damage is going to bring its way out. It will. In your actions. In other thoughts. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be spiteful. You're going to be bitter. If you don't guard and guard well the heart that God has given to you that he wants to mold and shape and to be in line with his own very heart. Entertainment is a big place that that happens many times. We need to guard. We need to be on guard. A guy by the name of Ralph Waldo Emerson, he put it this way. Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. 
Sow a habit, and you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap a destiny. If you take all the mushy middle out, and we're to summarize first and last, this is what you have. You sow a thought, you're going to reap your destiny by that thought. Because they're connected. And we need to guard them. And say, I try guarding, I try guarding, but I haven't done well, and those thoughts come in. He has a fix for that too. He has a help for that. He says we need to take those thoughts captive, the ones that seem like they come just without anything else happening externally. They're just there. They're probably not. But he has a help for that. Again, carrying our theme of 2 Corinthians here, you'll see what he says here in chapter 10 and verse number 5. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You might be saying, my thoughts don't go against the knowledge of God. If you're thinking thoughts like this, I am stupid. You think that's what God thinks of you? No, he doesn't. You think I am evil? Well, maybe you have some things you need to change, possibly. I'm unlovable. God doesn't say that. I'm not beautiful. God doesn't say that. See, you need to line those things up with what he says, not with what you're thinking and the falsehoods that carry with them. He says, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Look at what Christ says. Pattern our lives after him. Line up our thoughts with the thoughts that he's thinking, not with the ones that naturally come to our minds. You need to take those captive. How do you take something captive? Simply put it this way. To take something captive means to take control. You can take control of your thoughts. Don't let them run wild. Don't let them be loose. Don't let them just go wherever they seem to go. We need to capture our thoughts. And to capture our thoughts, it requires stillness, something I'm not good at, something you probably are not good at. But you realize, as long as we have no time for connecting with God through his word and quietness, our thoughts, emotions, and feelings will continue to go unchecked. They will. And life will not get better as a result. It will get much worse. So we need to take those those thoughts captive. Well, how do we put God first? What if you gave God your first thoughts? You might be saying, I can't do that. I'm not a, a one-day-old, okay? Okay, I'll give you that one. I love this about God. You notice how he sets things up in rhythms, and he gives us natural rhythms of life, a reset button. And one of those rhythms is called a day. You ever notice that? It's like tomorrow is brand new, and then the next day is brand new again, and the next day is brand new. And God willing, I'm going to have many of those renewals happen. So what if you gave God first on each one of those, no matter what your age is? Meaning, if every day you gave God your first thought. I was talking to Jason. Jason is a friend of mine. He's one of our bass players out in Muskego and also in Waterford. And I talked to him about this very subject just this last Thursday at practice. And he says he has created a habit of putting God first every day. And so I asked him about that. He says, it's like this. He goes, this is my alarm clock. Anybody else have one of these? Let's see. Do you have one of these? You don't have to pull it out. How many of you have one of these? Okay. How many of you use this as your alarm clock? You got it. That's the first step right there, putting God first. So when his alarm goes off, he has to reach for this. And he reaches for it, and he hits the dismiss for the alarm. 
And then he goes directly to God. Before he walks the dog, before he checks Facebook, before he checks a news feed, he opens up an app called the YouVersion app. And he begins to read a Bible plan, the very first thing of his day. You know what that does? It shapes his thoughts. He notices he's less frustrated during the day. He notices that when he watches the news, he filters it through God first. Rather than calling out to God saying, God, can you change my thoughts because right now our world is going to hell. He reminds himself that God knows what he's doing and God's in control. All because he gives God the first of his day. Now, thought bubbles, right? You see them? How many of those thought bubbles are? There ain't no way I can do that. I am not a morning person. Right here, you're looking at that guy. So do that and God will make you a morning person, right? That was too easy. That's a, that's a night person, right? Or a morning person right there. <laughs> it's hard. It's a discipline to say, yes, I'm going to give this to you, God, every single day. That's getting rid of the bad. Like I said, a small thought can produce big results. We saw that in William's story. What's your story? What do you want your story to be? How can you make a difference? We need to strengthen our imagination. That's a thought, isn't it? Our dreams are our thoughts. And we need to strengthen those imaginations because God wants to do some big things that you've been telling him you can't do, that you're not going to participate in. And he wants to change that. Strengthening our imagination. Let what God has placed in your heart become a reality. It may seem small, but God, he'll use it. He wants to use it. That's why we tell people, you know what, join a team. Will you join a team and make a difference? Is your thought to make a difference? Do you want to make a difference? In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he says this, Now to him, talking about God, now to him who is able to do immeasurably, I love that word, he's able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or what? Imagine. God will blow your mind according to his power that is at work within us. It's his power that he wants to do great things through you. He wants you to make a difference. He wants you to dream. He wants you to stretch your imagination. And so when we ask and when you hear us, and we're going to continue to ask, will you join us in making a difference? A thought comes to mind, doesn't it? And it comes to mind over and over and over again. So I want to paint a picture for you. The small and the big. We have a group called Misfits for Jesus who go to the people on the streets to help them. And they are seeing great success in that. And just a few weeks ago, we asked each of our Fox River campuses to help out with it. You'll see us putting together blessing bags. Take a look at it.
through a small thought, and I don't even know who it originated with. Somebody thought, we can make a difference. We can help those who are on the street. And because of that, 3,500 blessing bags were put together to go bless those. Let's praise God for that, okay? Now let's swing that back around, okay? This wasn't our last batch of blessing bags, but when this first started, when we started putting blessing bags together, or misfits put them together, I want you to tell, tell you Don Reed's story. Don Reed is one of the leads of Misfits for Jesus. He talks about this. He says, life changed with a blessing bag. When we first started serving on the streets, there was a man who was served carrying all the bags that he lived out of, working his way through our food line. He was very protective of his things, not letting any, any of us help him with them. One day, my grandson and I were hanging out in Waukesha playing Pokemon, and we could see the same guy sitting by the river. I knew something was wrong by the look on his face. By then, I already knew him by name from other serves we had done, so I asked him what was wrong. He told me that he was very hungry. I had some blessing bags in my car. That's why we put together blessing bags. So I told him, I'll be right back. After giving him the bags, I could see tears well up in his face. My heart told me I could do more. There was a Subway restaurant not too far away. So I went there and got him a foot long. He was so thankful. He asked if he could join misfits to help serve others. That next week, we put a misfits shirt on him. And he's been serving with us ever since. It was about a year after he started to serve with us that Bill Casey and I got to baptize him. That is cool, isn't it? It all started with a thought. We can make a difference. And a soul was changed for all eternity as a result of that. And there are many souls that need to be changed. And we're the ones that can help do that. We're God's army to do that. So when you hear me say, will you join us? Will you join a team to make a difference? Thought bubbles are going all across the room right now, aren't they? Some of you are like, I don't have time for this. That sounds like work to me. I don't think I can do this. How can I fit this into my schedule? That means hanging out with strangers who are strange. Yeah. Yeah, and some are like, that could be the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. I can't wait for God to use me. I can't wait to see someone's eternity change because I was willing to make a difference. Are you willing? Are you willing to carry that thought into an action? If so, stop by. We have a banner that says join a team. Stop by there. Ask how you can join a team and which team to join and be willing to see what God's going to do with it. Maybe you're here today and you've never had that new creation take place. Maybe your heart's not been renewed and you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. Today's the day to do that, will you? In a little bit, we're going to pray and I'm going to ask you, would you, would you receive that gift of eternal life that Jesus has for you? And if you're here and you've already trusted Christ, will you trust him again with your thoughts? What's your next step? What is it? What did God place in your heart? What is your next step to see that happen? Would you pray with me? With heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today, you say, I want to receive Jesus. I want that gift of salvation. I want that renewing. I want that change of destiny. I want that eternal life. Would you just let God know that right now? 
you might pray something like this. Dear God, I know my sin has separated me from you. It's broken our relationship. But God, I'm going to put aside the shame. I'm going to put aside the guilt. And I'm reaching out to you right now. I believe that Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood to pay for my sin. He was buried. He even rose again to show the power that he has to break that. And I want to receive that gift of salvation right here and right now. With heads bowed, eyes closed still. If you're here with just a raise of hand and leave it up just for a little bit just so I can see it, would you say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. I'm receiving Christ right here, right now, today. I'm becoming that new creation, okay? Thank you. Put aside the thoughts of shame. Put aside the thoughts of guilt. He tells us there's nothing, nothing that can separate us from his love. Christian, if you're here today and you'd say, I need to take some thoughts captive, and I need to do some guardian of my heart, would you pray for me for strength for that? Would you just raise your hand as an indication? I want that. Okay, thank you. Online, at our campuses as well. Lord God, we thank you. You give us thoughts to think. But God, we can't treat them as such a small thing, as irrelevant, because they're not. So I pray that you'd give us the strength to change them. God, for those who've just entered that relationship with you, would you give them your power to live out the things that they know and the things that they have yet to learn and understand about you as well. We praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Can we just praise God for the decisions that were made this morning, today? That is awesome. Awesome. If you've recently received Christ, whether it be today or if you're just coming back to God, we've got a great resource for you, a great help. It's the next steps. You can find the booklets on the way out. Make sure you grab one of those. It looks just like this right here. It says, what's your next step? Otherwise, you can text the word follow to 555-888. That'll get that resource into your hands as well. We've got a great prayer team who like to make a difference by praying for you. They'll be up at the front here. You can approach them or just stay in your seat, and they'll come to you and ask what they can be praying with you about today. Stop by the join a team table, and let's see what God can do with us as a team. Have a great weekend, everyone. We hope you were encouraged today. Subscribe to the Fox River Podcast to ensure you don't miss future messages. Stay connected through our social media channels on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, make a difference in the lives of those you know by sharing with them. We are grateful for you and hope you join us again soon.